Hello folks, Tyler here. We're looking to do a big surge on iTunes. We really want to push the old iTunes, you know, get us up the charts a bit, because I know you lot are lovely and supporting all over. Um, so if you fancy it, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, make sure to leave a five-star review and a couple of lovely words as well, just to uh, you know, help us up a bit more and get that extra bit of support. Thank you very much. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's family feedback where we look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the premium middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I'm of course your host, Tom Crane. John with me is, um, I guess arguably, um, well, without definitely, he is our, quote, biggest uh, guest ever there. And um, I'm, he's, he's a Partridge fan, so I'm going to gamble on this bit, you know. When you think of Ireland, you know, you think of, you know, uh, Beamish, you know, four-leaf clover, um, you know, horses running through derelict council estates, and, uh, you know, toothless simpletons, you know, eyebrows tattooed on their cheeks. But not this man, he's a podcaster, he runs How To Wrestling, a podcast where him and his partner Joe talk about everything wrestling, how to get into wrestling, and we get to see her react to it. Um, we also have the Attitude Era podcast which through the highs and the lows and even the cream middles as well of the Attitude Era and his wonderful Cinema Swell podcast where he reacts with Sam Chapman who hasn't seen and uh, please forgive me, uh, De Films. Kevin Mahan, it's good to have you on here. Thanks, and uh, I'm here today, Tyler, obviously first and foremost to talk about The Simpsons but also to show that there is more to Ireland than this. Uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> Always, always great to be on uh, any podcast for something I share deep passion about. And there may have been a Simpsons reference or two or three on those podcasts you've mentioned. So, uh, delighted to be here today to talk about about what I I contest you may not be a randomly selected episode. This seems almost not random at all. Almost uh, very, very selected and deliberate. This episode we have. Kevin has clearly not seen the PayPal receipt, though. He's not seen the Venmo just yet, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but with this episode in particular, we shall be reviewing The Old Man and the Lisa from Season 8, Episode 21, directed by Mark Kirkland, written by John Swartzwelder, with the original air date being April the 20th, 1997, and with the couch gag being that Simpsons becomes a giant whack-a-mole and Homer getting hit, and it's all, all big jape there. So, um... As I ask each one of my guests, um, Kevin, um, well, I guess the biggest question as well, tell me everything Simpsons related in your life, how you got into it, favourite episodes, what does The Simpsons mean to you? The Simpsons is kind of like, uh, I, I, I'm very wary of being in this podcast, so I'll tell you, because The Simpsons, I think, is the great uh, sleeping giant of, like, of, of fandoms, I think, that me and a lot of people have, in that I doubt I've enthusiastically watched any new Simpsons for around about 20 or so years now, which is more than most of my life. And yet, I think The Simpsons has probably made like the biggest impact on me out of any any TV show I watched growing up. And it's kind of strange that like how much it influences the way you talk, the way you make fun of things, like the way you reference things. Like it feels like Simpsons is kind of like almost responsible for a lot of like the the, the architecture and like the foundations, the real kind of boring kind of stuff that you build your other fandoms on. And I think I've probably got 
I've got a couple of episodes of Simpsons that are very special places in my heart. I think Marge versus the Monorail is the boring, obvious answer for like oh, yeah. a, a great favorite episode, but it is just like pure classic. I think any of the episodes where they deal with any of the kind of heavy-handed Christian themes, having been to a Catholic all-boys boarding school, I obviously appreciated the episode oh, yeah. where Bart sells his soul. That one is always kind of a secret low-key fave, even though it's an emotional episode. You're not meant to say those are your faves. <laughs> I think the one I probably have the most memory of referencing and laughing at and it being kind of like, oh, this episode is on, you know, tell everyone to come down the stairs it's you only move twice the the that's a very oh, very scorpio yeah yeah and here's where the weird thing with like the kind of i'm sure you've noticed i had this chat many times the kind of the, the dark muddly times that come with the simpsons starts to get really bad but you still watched it loads but lo- looking through for the first time on disney plus i will admit the simpsons back catalog I was very shocked to see that this episode and You Only Move Twice is within this season, this season eight, which, mm. uh, to, to steal your uh, stolen phrase at the start, is full of dizzying highs, crushing lows, and creamy middles indeed. So I find my recollection of The Simpsons is like, it was great up until season 10 and then it was terrible. <laughs> it's very wrong indeed. Mm. And I think a lot of us maybe could be challenged of our beliefs about how good or how bad this kind of gray area i'm glad we're in the gray area how the gray area is 1997 when i was nine years old is fucking beyond me because <laughs> i swore i was a bit older when i saw this on telly originally i uh, know you talk about seeing it on telly and that now with most of my guests and my usual co-host cal reader as well um you usually get like oh i watched i got in simpsons when it was channel four from 2004 onwards or BBC circa 2000 when it was your run-up of The Weakest Link, uh, Simpsons, Fresh Prince, and then it would get ruined like, oh, Wimbledon's on, so no, I can't have my Simpsons <laughs> fill. And what was it uh, like viewing for you? What are your first memories of Simpsons in your home or on a certain channel back in Ireland? It was Sky One was the uh, the, the, the main oh, inlet. Right. So I think I remember distinctly it was like 1998 because it was the same time I started watching wrestling. The, the Sky subscription led to the wor- the gateway world of, of Simpsons and, and wrestling, two things which would very directly and indirectly influence a lot of my life, basically. So 6, 6 p.m. on a Sunday, I remember being new episodes of The Simpsons and... Some of the earliest memories of like episodes that were debuting, I do remember distinctly like when uh, the the episode where Homer becomes a boxer, like that was a, an early one where it was like, right, I, I'm into watching The Simpsons now, and here's a new episode, and I'm excited about the wacky new adventure Homer is going to get into. Of course, that shows you I was obviously late compared to a lot of American children because you know the idea of like that being classic golden age ah yes homer becoming a boxer that was part of the original groundswell of ideas i'm sure they had in the early <laughs> days of the simpsons you know so like i think i've got probably i i've got a lot of nostalgia for when the writing was still good but the ideas were getting really fucking weird and i think this is definitely in that stratosphere this episode of like writing still razor sharp loads of great jokes if you're to tell me in an elevator the pitch for the episode, I would say this is from like a a real struggling season of The Simpsons where they were bereft of concepts type of thing, you know? (laughs) How we kick off this episode is um, you hear sort of pots and pans, you know, bottles getting chinked around there, and it's right early in the morning there, crack of dawn stuff, 
and we get to see Marge, you know, wake up there. She rustles her hair back into place. And we have uh, the boys, the Simpsons boys, Bart and Homer downstairs. Um, they've been watching some sort of a all-night movie marathon. I, I guess it's B-movies or something, but it's, um, I guess, when Dracula became Colonel. And all you can hear really is, you know, uh, Colonel, blah! Like, those are my favourite little cutaway gags because those are always the ones that kind of give away that the writers were into you know your your crappy b movies your mm. ed woods your the thousand dollar movie was a joke that i always loved from from the simpsons you know that they have this love of terrible low budget concepts and i think that's something that uh, i grew to love as well along with the simpsons we have a walk in there and it turns out um lisa's busy recycling there you know as part of a junior achievers program here and the family are quite confused with this. Even Bart saying, you know, oh, what's the point? You know, the planet's virtually over, you know, when the sun burns out here. And, oh, these silly Simpsons writers there. How far-fetched it is, you know, to be, um, you know, thinking about recycling there. You know, that's never caught on and that's never been more important. <laughs> it is it is kind of weird, like, the idea of recycling being like an opt-in kind of, like, after-school project as opposed to how you get your bins collected, you know, because if you don't play the game, you don't get your bins collected. That's just the way it is these days. Uh, what's your bin situation is to make this as British as possible? Oh, God. <laughs> um, my bin situation is having to constantly remind myself and others what the bin situation is because I've been through, like, every forgettable colour combination there is and oh. I invariably always forget which bin is to be put out. So, and I have an issue as well that I, I'm my house is at the end of my street. So when people put out their bins, if I don't get ahead of them, they kind of make like a bin wall around my house, <laughs> and I can't actually get. I can't add to that layer. It's 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 a shame, really. So that's probably why my bins aren't emptied at the moment. Uh, but. I, I appreciate The Simpsons that they were always trying to bring up things like, you know, through Lisa, they try and bring up things like recycling and, and nice ideas that we can all get around and support. But I would be confused if I said I understood what the, the message was about recycling in this. I mean, what do you reckon The Simpsons are trying to tell us? Is it good? Is it bad? Well, I think um, we're going to get a lot of, I like I like featuring wrestling into this Simpsons podcast as well, but I believe the gimmick, to use a to use a working word there, um, I think it was more of a maybe a new fad or maybe an improved fad um, in the late nineties there. But I don't know. I think they do the South Park thing where it's like, okay, we're going to illustrate this, but we're going to tell you that oh, there's no point, or you know, it's gay. And, yeah, like yeah. the good old days in the 90s where, look, I've listened and I've decided I don't want to do anything. And that's the most valid stance that there is. Not trying. Yeah, I can get around <laughs> that, you know. So I have Lisa, you know, busy trying to whip the family into shape there. And I mean, one of my early um, favorite moments here. And I have this rap rapport with my family, like, um, say my mum's telling off my dad about something there. I'll hit him with a like, oh, dad, how could you? And... <laughs> We have Lisa there saying, you know, oh, mom, you know, don't put those beer rings in the polyurethane. They go in the polymethane and you get Homer going, Marge, like it's the worst thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> Homer's now, you know, he's willing to be enthusiastic there because he's found, you know, there's a whole load of paper he can get rid of there. And he just, he's taking the whole of the books in the house and he's just dumping them and he's giggling away like a wee child. And Lisa, yeah, I don't know about this one. You know, you're not supposed to have fun when you're recycling, but, you know, he's trying to, 
conceal his laughter in there, but I'm sure you can. I mean, like the Sherry Bobbin song, you know, you can make a fun, uh, you can make a fun job out of anything there. Absolutely, particularly recycling, which is if you're gonna like, if we're putting trash in in one big kind of chore hemisphere here, right? Uh, the recycling is the most fun part of that because that's the only part of it that's it smells the best out of all the bins it does it smells it doesn't smell of old liquor bottles or smelly bin water or actual shit it doesn't smell <laughs> of any of that and also as well you can tear up big boxes and feel strong and that's fun as well you know so i think that's the easiest chore to gamify you know if that that's what mary poppins was on about you know <laughs> mm. i've even got um special bin shoes which are you know not Crocs from um, Primark and that, and I can really pride in showing the whole street, you know, my black not Crocs there, and, you know, get to try out a different sort of bin style every day. It's brilliant. Well, with our, with our full bin at the moment, Joe, who I do how-to with, she she told me that her stepfather used to have a very big sledgehammer that he would just insert into the top of the bin, and that would just, like, crush it all down slowly. Ah. And we're trying to weigh up now whether or not getting a sledgehammer for just around the house, like a ceremonial sledgehammer, would be a write-off <laughs> against tax or not. Like, if I do a few, like, wrestling-themed photo shoots with a big sledgehammer, is it is it a write-off? Is it deductible? I'm not quite sure yet, you know? Oh, you please tell me um, when you get this ceremonial hammer that when Joe goes, oh, you know, we need the cardboard smash down please tell me you reveal it and look at it longingly like um triple h does <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll only put it underneath tables which i then flip <laughs> over and reveal that it's been uh, attached very very carefully actually to the to the underside of the table <laughs> we cut to springfield elementary there and you know garbage hot garbage i love to see it and um i mean we get on to one of my favorite characters i'm assuming one of yours as well Seymour skin now as far as characters you can talk main tertiary whoever you like who's up there Kevin who's your absolute fave who's your Skinner is definitely the considered favorite like you know Skinner when I was a kid I would have been like no absolutely not no but like in the same way that I didn't understand great villains in wrestling until I was older and could appreciate like how having a complex antagonist was really great and Seymour Skinner is like got is far too complicated a character for the Simpsons like but I mean that in the best way possible and you know as I've slowly like I had only seen Psycho in the last year or so okay there's all of these things that he was obviously meant to be influenced by like a lot of the the Vietnam War films and whatnot of the day which I've only kind of since I was a kid watched that his character is just like made with every rewatch more and more and more sense and the relationship with the mother is like the fact that that's, he's also the principal. I mean, I I think he's great. And and I think it's very easy as well. Uh, you know, when you see what they did with his character in the weird Armin Tanzarian business. Like, the, people would only have cared or given out about that or, or caused such a fuss or say that's the moment where the, the shark was jumped yeah. because he was such a beloved character. I think he could have gotten away with doing that with a lot of people. Like, in this episode, you take Mr. Burns and you kind of you do the opposite of what you're meant to do with Mr. Burns. And that's kind of seems sacrilegious in some ways, but you can get away with doing that or like with Mo, like making Mo lovable and stuff like they would do at random moments. They kind of changed their mind a bit, but Seymour, he felt like uh, you don't cross that line. You don't mess with Seymour Skinner. Like, so he's definitely one of the all time faves. And as a kid, Hans Molman made me laugh like nothing else. Like that was <laughs> like, he's a character where I discovered there was a new level of things being funny as a child. Like you could laugh and then there was something that would make you laugh uncontrollably. Like that's really 
what Hans Molman was. And the best thing about it is just that it's a silly old man who, who looks silly and they do silly things to. It's it's so stupid and I think it'll be funny forever. I'll never not find Hans Molman funny. Well, fun fact as well, um, he was one of Grainin's sort of... He didn't really want to feature him that much because he looked at it in the sort of design room that and you thought, oh, it was, you know, some like some sort of a molish man there and he was really disgusted <laughs> with it and so then sort of an in-joke with the writers like right how can we you know anchor in a mole man reference it? how can we you know get him run off the road and then not quite hit a tree and blow up just in case <laughs> i like i crusty the clown as well so i gotta i gotta always uh mention because he was a character who the fact that he was a clown meant that as a kid you just didn't you didn't even dwell on the fact that he was this very 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 dark character where they deal with like he's an alcoholic and he's like got all these trouble issues in his family and they imply that he's a drug addict and they imply that you know everything that bad about celebrity is in this clown but as a kid it's just like haha it's Krusty the clown you know (laughs) your your parents wouldn't know if they got you like I had a Krusty the clown I'm pretty sure like a little a little tiny figurine and I don't think they thought anything of it. They just thought it's just a clown from the cartoon he likes. I don't think they're like, yeah. ah, yes, there's that biting criticism and satire of Hollywood excess and A-list you know, monstrosity. And I kind of, I, I like that a lot about a lot of the original kind of Simpsons cast is that those still waters run deep, you know? We have seen more running the, you know, Little Investors Club, the Junior Achievers Club there. And he seems the one to only be enthused because they brought along a special guest there. It's a... Uh, See Montgomery Burns there, and he's the only one applauding in that. And um, have you been in similar situations, being you know a former teacher yourself there, where you're like Skinner asking, "Well, I'll ask a question without your uh, interest, children." Well, uh, I'm going to take advantage of this rare opportunity, even if you children aren't interested. Uh, w- which do you think is more important, hard work or stick-to-itiveness? Are there any real questions? Oh man, I I think Skinner is like probably one of the worst. I if I was teaching teachers, I'd I'd show them Seymour Skinner as like a what not to do type of a scenario. Oh, right. You know, he's a he's he's an ineffective administrator. As as fascinating a character as he is, if if he was my line manager, I would I would have tendered my notice at term one end. Let me tell you, um, I do like the poster they had in the background, which says that they're high on capitalism, uh, <laughs> and it is it is the funnest thing in the world to be the teacher in a room full of children who really want to be there because they know it's a good idea to be in like an after school club thing but we all have a general sense of like it's one or two sentences from any of us between this not even existing anymore it's so kind of tentative what's going on here the junior achievers club how do you justify that at budget day jesus christ like so uh, (laughs) yeah I, i i like I think Mr. Burns, the, the exact quote here where he says there's the three demons you must slay to become successful, that's that's some exquisitely brilliant Mr. Burns uh, writing right there. Oh, it is, and I mean, it's ever so reminiscent now. I mean, you look at, um, I mean, we're recording this, folks, in, you know, I say the worst bit of 2020, but, you know, there's still <laughs> the next few months to go there, and it's never been more present, you know, taking the elite tasks there. Religion family friends these are the demons you must uh slay in order to succeed in business there and then he really emphasizes synagogues there so i, I don't know what they were trying to direct there but 
Obviously, watching there's it a with... lot of like sly winks and nods to the fact that Mr. Burns is an old industrialist and ergo incredibly racist. <laughs> and as we're speaking, some statues of incredibly racist industrialists are probably being ripped down in your neighbourhoods. So again, yeah, pertinent if anything, the uh, the sly winks and nods here. Because I think when Lisa brings up like recycling and you go through his head, the dictionary, I paused it a few times and there was like a few like kind of uh, racial uh, remarks in there. Oh, let's just was say. there? I saw there, Ragamuffin there was, and yeah. Rutabaga. Oh, oh no, there was. Um, yeah, I'm not going to repeat that, but it's a um, it's a bad NFL team, folks. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, as a matter of interest, when you were watching this, do, do you watch? Uh, do you do you have a do you stream it anywhere particularly? Do you watch it on Disney Plus? Because this was the first time I viewed this in, in Disney Plus and I had that horrible cropped uh, business going on until, uh, oh, someone, yes, until the... I pointed out how to change it. Yeah, the, the old fight for the 16 and 9 uh, ratio there that was, you know, flogged all over Twitter. But I believe they have uh, amended it now. Did you get it amended? I did. I, I got it amended, although you have to go into episode details and manually press a big button that's like, you sure you want to... A lot. We worked very hard remastering this. It's it's wide like your telly. Are you sure? And then when you press that button, you get to watch it. I'm not sure if it's the first time I've watched Simpsons in such startling quality, but I was blown away by like how said <laughs> horrible. But, like it looks really crappy in places. Like there's a few times where I had paused it and I came in. I'm like, whoa! They've literally coloured outside the lines. Like in primary school, we had higher standards than that. Like it felt a little wobbly. I'm not sure if it's just how it appears on Disney Plus or whatever, or if it's like a subpar uh, version or anything, but it looked pretty ropey to what I remembered it. Do you think they've Ted turned it when he bought all those um, classic movies? Maybe. Could be with little imperfections in it. Or it could just be that I remember Simpsons being HD in the way that I remembered like old MS-DOS games looking a lot nicer than they did. <laughs> yeah. And Lisa's, you know, busy standing up to Burns there saying, you know, you've got to recycle there you know it helps you renew resource and that and helps save everything and burns very much from the old world even admit you know oh well she shouldn't have mother nature shouldn't have attacked us we know floods and droughts and um poisonous monkeys poisonous well. monkeys yeah uh, i do love when lisa is you know challenging him on how much money he's worth and she brings up in his autobiography how it's listed as less and his autobiography is called will, will there, there ever, ever be, be a rainbow? rainbow yes which was um <laughs> dropped in season two i believe when he gives an oh, ex-step yeah. a lot of kettle the god of war yeah and oh i just love it it's such um i mean it's i'm not ashamed i am one myself but it's very white people it's very you know i'm in touch there look i got all this wealth you know through no ill-gotten means, and it's all hard work. Will there ever be a rainbow? There might be one for you. But, I mean, the the line is very um, just here, and very, again, I feel like I'm going to say very reminiscent of current times again, but just having um, a little girl stand up to this twisted old white billionaire there, it's very much the current twist, and even Smith is making his appearance saying, how dare you stand up to Mr. Burns? <laughs> I, I'm kind of really interested to, like, to to not to not to actually watch any but like of the current crop of simpsons because i always see clips and stuff here and there and i know that they do things like they try to kind of cover you know more modern topics like uh, radical feminism and whatnot in their episodes and i like wonder if the mr burns character is used like much 
like in as a kind of a, a more of a current uh, critique of of like billionaires and such because it feels like quite ahead of its time for something in the mid 90s and like the the good old days for them to actually be out in front kind of you know like mr burns is a is a horrible character on many levels and they and them exposing that is kind of a little bit against the grain i guess for the time like for 97 at least with burns as well um lisa mentions that you know oh you're not worth 200 mil couldn't your book it's only you know 100 million dollars is your personal net worth and you know he's flabbergasted can't stand this even looks over at smithers and smithers goes oh you know it's less than that sir and it just immediately he's crestfallen you know he has to go and we tie a nice knot on this scene with oh so insincere from um skinner going money burns everyone and a big round of applause (laughs) there i mean i've i've worked in uh, many offices now and even in this current one before the lockdown began and that i just i don't know i just love uh insincerity in like a lot of sitcoms and just seem big fulsome grin and smiles kev i don't know what that does for you oh no it, it is because it always underlines the fact that in any kind of meeting or group of people like 85 percent of people are not paying attention to what's going on so just when they recognize the thing is over like <laughs> that's that's always something i i've done quite a few of those in my time like even on a podcast or two. Oh, i forgot to say um when we're talking about seymour skinner as well um doing bits and pieces of uh writing as well through my degree and then uh the outskirts they're trying to break in and that it's really difficult to write a good boring character and that and seymour skinner is an uh, he's an amazing example of that just the complete dryness and you know failing to burn his dollar bill it's my money mother i'll burn it the way i want it's just <laughs> it's just a I'm- testament to the writers you don't like uh, that's the best thing about Skinner's like when you see him in those like you see him in those few moments and around about this time is when they had those few seasons where you got to see him kind of a little bit more outside of the skill but it was almost as if it was exactly as you imagined it anyway like you didn't need to see a lot of this to kind of it just confirmed what you thought about him anyway and that's always I think like really good writing if everything that's revealed to him like makes utter sense like that's the mark of a really good boring character I think we're at the power plant now and Burns is trying to think you know what the devil has happened to all my uh you know riches and investments over the years and that and um before we get on to you know exactly what he's interest invested in how he's gonna you know bounce back um to use another partridge quote there um please tell us kevin we're gonna have a bit of a dive now into your wrestling encyclopedic knowledge there i mean can you see many comparisons between uh mr burns and one um vincent kennedy mcmahon does he have yes men I would say that Vince McMahon and, and, and Mr. Burns are close to one and the same. I wouldn't have said that like two or three years ago, but the current Vince McMahon in 2020 is this kind of like, oh, this weird kind of wraithy, weird old man who you have the, the kind of, the, the problem like you have with Mr. Burns is he's a very powerful man, so you're scared of him, so you want to agree with him. But also, he's very strange and kind of a little bit weird and frail, so you don't want to upset him, but also you really don't want to engage with him. So, like, Vince and, Vince and Mr. Burns both <laughs> share this, like, kind of triple-layer attack of yes-men around them, which they want to agree with them just because, yeah, I want to agree with you because you're scary, but yeah, I want to agree with you because you're weird, and yeah, I want to agree with you because you're old and just... Yeah, you know, and that's kind of what Burns is going from here as well. Uh, I imagine Vince has had many of these meetings uh, in recent memory with the, the folding of the XFL, etc. You know, I'm sure he put his money back into uh, Confederate slave owners and U.S. hay as well. Yes, well, let's get into that. In, I mean, it shows you how old, um, <laughs> what the writers would have thought about, um, you know, 
old characters back in the day and that and what they watched on TV. But there's an actual stock ticker with um, miles and miles of stock just coming out. And he says, oh, OK, let's check before, um, you know, March of 1929. And uh, oh, oh, no. Well, let's get out the old stock ticker and have a look. Here's where I stopped checking it last time. September 1929. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Smithers, why didn't you tell me about this market crash? Um, well, sir, it happened 25 years before I was born. Oh, that's your excuse for everything. I love Dan's, um, Dan Castellaneta there doing his many uh, voice on here. I love his delivery of just, oh no, like you get the fragility, but then you get this mild embarrassment as well. I, yeah, and good performance, don't get me wrong, but I don't like this cuddly Mr. Burns obsession. It begins oh, in this, it begins in this kind of these seasons, and then it kind of goes on with it with like uh, when he, you know, when he gets his girlfriend in one of the seasons later and all that. And I just kind of feel it, it became once to the well too many with this, you know. And I kind of feel like you go back and forth with them and have them be cuddly and lovable, and have them go back to not be. It's like I always felt it was a bit diminishing returns. With Mr. Burns, like, if you'd save these moments and use them properly, they'd be worth something. But now you've you've spoilt your appetite now is what's happened here with all of your Mr. Burns heel turns and face turns. I, I will agree with you. They did it too many times um, softening Mr. Burns there. But um, I think maybe if they kept to this episode and um, one of my favourites, you know, Home with the Smithers there, where he learns yes, to be yeah. independent again then. Oh, takes a great bump off that um, polar bear as well, right through the window. What a worker! <laughs> like you've said, Kevin, though, he's got you know he's got to reinvest again. He's you know got to get back in the green once again, including um, American Hay, um, you know, slave trading company as well, and um, that new um, Baltimore hat company as well. Um, he's gonna he's gonna shoot right. He's gonna bounce back. You know, he's gonna go from. You know, living in that static caravan to his own um, house. I think what's really interesting about like this Mr. Burns compared to like Mr. Burns three or four seasons before it is that um, on Cinema Swirl, that podcast you mentioned, we did um, Citizen Kane not that long ago. And it was only from like watching that, like, you know, not for a class or, you know, properly with adult eyes, you know, and, and paying attention properly that I was like, wow, this is like just literally Mr. Burns, like wholesale Mr. Burns is Charles Foster Kane. But I kind of feel like when you get to this level, Mr. Burns, that like if if Charles Foster Kane was to fall on hard times, his reaction would be very, I feel different to how Mr. Burns is portrayed in this episode. And I wonder if that's like the generation of writers that were leaving at this point, who were obviously a lot more heavily inspired by kind of some of the classic movies and such, if they weren't kind of putting that into Mr. Burns anymore, because... I don't think you could have a Charles Foster Kane, Mr. Burns, be this kind of sympathetic and like, oh no, things are going wrong for me, you know? <laughs> we have the kids, um, you know, they're totting up their recycling efforts there and uh, delivering the last bundle of, you know, used newspapers. And I believe it's 75 cents, but that didn't even cover the gas to go to the store to get the twines to bundle up the papers there. And um, we get, now this is a very uh, thing of its relic now, but you know, the... Um, the joshing, the joking of uh, hippies, Kevin. Ah, uh, yes. see that nowadays. No, I mean, <laughs> you don't see people getting paid to recycle as well. Like, I'm not sure if it still stands in America. I do remember there was a golden uh, golden trip where I was a, a, an exchange student in Germany for a semester, and they paid you 20 cents a pop for a big Diet Coke bottle. So if you ran around the bins in the school, you could make an easy quid 50 in time for lunch, you know? 
So I, I, I kind of just watched this like my mouth agape, wondering, did I miss my industrious get paid to recycle phase as a little, a little child? Like, was there, was there good money to be made uh, at some point for newspapers? I'm trying to think. Um, we didn't have like a recycle and you get a chunk of change scheme where I was from, but I think that's very much in my dad's and my mum's uh, time of day. You know, back in the sixties, I know you could get money back on your milk bottles and such there. This is ridiculous. How have they got more recycling in the 60s, like 30 years before Captain Planet? Like, that's un- that's not fair at all. Like, we were, we were made <laughs> promises by the Turner Group. Skinner's absolutely livid here, you know, ever since the hippie scene, you know, simplify, man. Work, Don't work for your car, man. And then, oh, oh the, it's not even in the bus. It's in his own station wagon. He's took the kids out. No, forget it, kids. You know, we can't go to Albany, New York there, but Lisa's trying to look on the bright side, you know. All that money we've saved, with all that paper we've saved, you know, we've saved a small tree. No, back right into a tree, and they've just completely nullified um, what they've done there. Um, yeah, Ralph I'm really crying and going, Mommy, help! <laughs> like, it's just, that's very, very, very accurate. Like, And I, I love little moments like that where, like, just even background noise it just tells you millions of things about ralph's character that like you you immediately get and i fucking love that oh um as far as um newer episodes and that um you won't see obviously hippie stereotypes now but um kevin it's the you... 90s isn't it like you yeah know? <laughs> kevin are you aware that there's an episode where mr burns visits a very liberal um college in america and he has to deal with social justice warriors oh man can you imagine the portrayal of them i'm sure it's very, done like, very sensitively here's here's my th- i just figured like this is like in my head canon right now like the simpsons as it exists i thought like lisa now must just be like kind of a soft pg fox friendly critique of social justice warriors because lisa was always meant to be like the idealist so i assume lisa is just this kind of like you know this this kind of uh, annoying voice they view her as, and she just she goes on about issues like they're fads. I, I assume that's what it is now, but maybe there are, as you say, like specific episodes targeting things like that. Well, I'm sure Simpsons handled it as deftly as they did the criticism of a poo. You know. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, well, um, Lisa was the mouthpiece for that as well, and then yeah, you know, that that was very camera. much a fuck you, everyone, sit down, shut up. We're going to continue making bad Simpsons. Shut up. It's all right. Like, I guess I'll get your word on it as well. Um, what are your opinions on the problem with Apu? Apu is a character now, watching him when you were younger. I mean, I've spent most of the last 10 years looking back on things that were, you know, that, that were probably considered a bit racy at the time and seem abhorrent now. And like with The Simpsons, you look back and they made the point that it was progressive them and it seems a bit mean-spirited now, but I don't really think like you're taking into account the experience of the people who it's offending. I think that's always like a, a lot of the issue with the, this criticism the Simpsons have received. It feels like they're parroting it back as if like, well, you're just complaining because it makes you feel a bit bad, but they're not kind of thinking about the wider scheme of the kids who got bullied and the name calling and just the whole experience of being, you know, uh, a brown person in America as a result of the Simpsons. They made it harder than they than it could have been. And I think there's a way to graciously say, all right, we hold our hands up. We did something that was, in by modern standards, distasteful. We apologize. Let's move on. They had their moment to do that, and it wouldn't have been a big deal at all, because who the fuck cares? Like, who who would be like, no, season 39 of The Simpsons isn't the same unless we have a poo in it. Like, seriously? Do you give a shit at this point? 
you know, honestly, you are absolutely fine. You'll be grand. Like, if you love a poo so much, you've got plenty of a poo quotes in your head that you can play to yourself. So they got a bit precious about it, I think, is, is and they, they lost the opportunity to just be like, look, we're sorry. It's Let's just change it. Because honestly, it is no big deal to change it now compared to the hurt that it caused back then. And now it's in this kind of weird zone where it's like they've made it out that they've been forced to do something and they're not happy about it. And it just feels like lazy now. You know, it feels like their inaction has led to them making out that they're a victim in all of this. And I think that's kind of poison. They'll, they'll come to regret it. Tyler is what I'll think. I think in five years' time, they're going to try and make some big statement about it. Because the guy who did the voice, he made a quite an eloquent statement eventually about us, you know, after doing the Apu voice at every other commencement speech he did for the last 20 or so years. So, Oh, no. Did yeah, and that's the thing. Oh, like, Jesus. even a well-worded statement. See, for me as a white person, I'm like, oh, well, if they make a well-worded statement, that's okay, right? But, I mean, again, I don't, I'm not privy to the experience of it. Like, I don't know if that's good enough for someone who kind of has had to grow up with... 10 years of that or whatever you know because as you know somebody went to a boarding school and there was folks from all over the world in there kids be racist as hell and that was in the 90s like you know we have burns um realize you know you tell me you know i'm all out of money and the yes men agree like yes 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 and you know the penny finally drops that the old penny finally drops you realize that he's just surrounding himself with yes men and even the yes men say yes to that as well nice little touch <laughs> He's saying, you know, I'll just remortgage the plant. Oh, no, sir, the, the bank's already sort of moved in now. And yeah, now Burns is um being fragile. You know, he's all alone in that. Um, so he's going to have to move in with Smithers, I guess. Ushered out. And now we have, ha-ha, you big rube, Kevin. This is the only reason I brought you in here. You, know, you, <gasps> fell, in, you fell into my uh, bear trap there. Or should I say, you know, my bear hold. My bear hug, even. Oh, there we, we go. <laughs> <laughs> There we are, found that one. We have Burns, you know, packing up his stuff. He's got everything in his one sort of briefcase there. And who do we have? Who's going to buy the manor house? Who's going to buy Burns' mansion? It's none other than Brett the Hitman Hart. And I'm sure a pro wrestler such as yourself will appreciate all the closet space, Hitman. Ooh, this place has got old man stink. Ooh. Oh, don't listen to him, sir. You've got an enchanting musk. And you wouldn't even be the only wrestler in the neighborhood. The Shrieking Sheik lives just three doors away. Hey, hey, I'll take it. Uh, would it be all right if I kept this portrait? To remind me of better times. Why would I want a picture of a pitiful pencil neck geek? This is April 97, so this is right, like, kind of around the time of WrestleMania 13 and the classic Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin encounter, and a few more months before the horrible Montreal Screwjob. I love that Bret is, like, one of the only wrestlers to be... In, I, is he the only wrestler to be in The Simpsons? I can't think of any others. I, be, I believe he is the only wrestler, yeah. That's amazing. To think of, like, the huge cultural impact both of those things made, like, at the exact same time, and he's the only guy you got to look in. No, no Hulk Hogan. You're not on Simpsons. Stone Cold Steve Austin, yes. you're not on Simpsons. You're Shawn Michaels, your phony boy toy. You know, you might get on a Family Guy or, uh, you know, they might put you on Duck Man on Fox late at night because of that kind of girly talk that you be doing, Shawn Michaels. But Brett the Hitman Hart is on The Simpsons, primetime family show. You know, and here in The Simpsons, they still appreciate family values. They still appreciate 
Canada, and also I have it on good authority that Bret Hart thought that he was doing the voice of a different wrestler, which is why he kind of talks like this when he's doing his voice. Yeah, he goes very, um, I don't know, very typically gruff uh, wrestler, very sort of Mid-South kind of vibe to him as well. Even gives it the old pencil neck geek from a uh, classic yeah. Freddie Brassy as well. So I don't know if you know, in his book, he wrote about this and he was like, they, they asked me to be on The Simpsons and it was obviously a big deal. I did it in one day and they just said, you're playing this like wrestler who buys Mr. Burns mansion. And that was it. So he just like, right, I'll do, you know, seeing as Bretton 97 was trying very hard to branch out of wrestling and do some acting and things like that. He wanted to show his range and be like, right, I'll show you this cool character. And he said a little bit of it was Randy Savage, a bit of the old school wrestling. And that was why he did that voice and not just the regular Bret Hart voice because you know he'd probably be, why would I want a picture of a pencil neck hyena like you, Mr. Burns? Why would I, why would I even want that, huh? You know, he's, he's a lot more angry than Bret ever would be. And this is like, I think it's so funny that it's a typical Bret Hart story. He tried his hardest to do something that technically wasn't his brief. So we're just going to change it, make you look silly in retrospect. Because it's like, why couldn't you do your own voice, Bret? What's going on? Like, I don't know about you, but have you ever thought about, you know, other wrestlers crossing over into Simpsons and that? Because, I mean, you've done it before with your caption contests on the Attitude Era podcast. You will get loads of, you know, references in for the photo and then you do it in your own wonderful uh, impressions as well there i just thought of a really good one with burns dealing with bobo and very much you know brett's dealing with the frustrations of 97 there sir i know you're um i know you have feelings for your former but feelings frustrated is not the goddamn word <laughs> frustrated isn't the goddamn word for it this is bullshit who would you have then as like you know modern wrestlers who do you see fitting in because myself i mean obviously like WWE are very protective on what they license out, and you know, with these quote yeah. independent contracts, folks. But I mean, New Day for me, easily. Oh, yeah, easy. I mean, uh, there's always the two routes to go. The route is like kind of who's the best ambassador who should be doing this, and it's always someone like the New Day. And then it's like who's the fucking ambassador that they always will fucking use. So here's like they'll put like the Miz on or, or Nikki Bella or something like that. But legitimately, like something. You know, I, I you mentioned earlier I, I was uh, I, I'm a previously a teacher in another life, and what always struck me was how much kids fucking adore John Cena and Randy Orton, and like that is just an apps like they successfully penetrated. I don't know how they did it through toys, through duvet spreads, whatever they managed. They're part of like the child zeitgeist in the UK, and I think they should have been putting john cena on the simpsons come on obviously i'm surprised yeah i'm, well, I'm even more surprised that revelation that randy orton was really popular in the schools there was it just from i guess maybe it was from him feuding but uh, uh, the rko out of nowhere meme oh, like memes, that's a that's yeah. a that's a, a vine that became a meme that became like all people watched on on youtube and stuff like that so i think randy became meme famous but like with john cena not being on the simpsons like it's, it's again one of those situations where you see john cena now in hollywood where the general vibe is like can you believe how good this guy is like they're going to yeah. do to be did you know you had this guy he's really good he's very charismatic he can do voices and everything. So yeah, John, you know, John Cena should have been in something like the Simpsons movie. That's what they should have done, you know? Save him for the yeah. big match John for the main event, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, where do you stand, um, I guess, not with wrestlers now, but where do you stand on guest stars um, 
can they work just as themselves or do you prefer it if it's like you know um glenn close as homer's mother if they're an actual character i i think there's been really great examples of both because i think like you know leonard nimoy being himself is like that's a perfect little cameo which like told me all i needed to know about star trek without ever watching a single episode of it (laughs) suck it nerds i I got my crib notes from that episode of the simpsons (laughs) um but i think yeah there's a lot of really touching like heartfelt i think like danny devito as as the brother was always a really uh really really good job glenn close as well is probably uh, one of the best ever examples and i think it can be done and i think in the modern age where celeb worship is a little bit passe i think that's probably the way to do it and i think i'm pretty much sure that is how they've been doing it because i know that like just because of the circles that i traveled in i knew that tim and eric were in an episode of the simpsons but they were not as themselves they were just as people i think that seems to be the format it takes now that the guest star is just like it's like the guest star used to be in like Batman or the Monsters or whatever. It's like here they are. It's the guest star, and it was like, Way! oh yeah, you just see him pop out of the window there as they're climbing up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's Lady Gaga. Way she's doing oh, another voice. God, <laughs> but like, I think like Simpsons. I don't blame it for still sticking to the celebs because that is the Simpsons, isn't it? It's not like it's not the Simpsons' fault that we have collectively decided we don't like that type of cameo anymore. I think movies took what the simpsons did with like a hey look it's it's so and so isn't that funny and they just ran that into the ground you know and that's why we have mike tyson in you know the hangover and stuff like that to contend with because of the tone the simpsons set like we're into the second act now and lisa's quite happy you know burns is you know out of the rich house there and into the poor house there she even gives a little har as well there you know quite quite justified oh who's gonna run the plank kevin what kind of stalwart's gonna be you know, headed up for the CEO position. Oh man, this is like the best side gag of the whole episode, which is Lenny being in charge, where you get the one scene of Lenny being very nervous in Mr. Burns' chair. And then there's like a couple of offhand references. Like you get followed immediately with like, ben- Lenny's a real bear for tardiness. Yeah. You know, it's like he's got this. R- and then later on, it's like Lenny's reign of terror is over. <laughs> like in this very short period of time, this like calamitous event happened. And I, I-, I love. I love when there's just like la- like that's just like one little line that just makes you think of a whole of the series of events, and that's that's like when The Simpsons is just cooking with the best writing, like the the one line that's secretly like twenty jokes you make in your own head afterwards. They're not going to close the plant, are they? No, the bank put Lenny in charge. Uh, attention, everybody. Ah. Uh. Uh. Work harder. Bye. Well, sir, I have to get to work. Lenny's a real bear on tardiness. Simpson, what are you doing here? Why aren't you at work? I made a bad mistake, and Lenny sent me home to think about what I did. But I don't remember what it was, so I'm watching TV. We have Burns, you know, trying to, you know, accommodate to the unemployed life there as smithers goes to work he even wants to try and help with the washing up but he gets um these um what are they like coal um like um what you used to sort of mix around coals there and he's oh just... man that this whole scene makes me so even you talking about it, it like makes me anxious of just like someone slowly with crockery like no <laughs> i've broken so many glasses in lockdown you've no idea how oh, anxious no. this made me <laughs> is this just a slip through the hand or is it very much a young ones oh if open this door it's all gonna come out 
a little bit no 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 i'm i'm a careful stacker i'm a very careful stacker but as you correctly pointed out at the start of the episode i am your biggest guest because i'm six foot five and even even with accommodating rooms i can bump into things at a moment's notice i was very anxious for this scene but have you ever felt um particularly like useless or like oh well i should be doing something but i can't because of my inexperience I mean just um yesterday like i'm getting into doing more cooking now and treating the family and that with a bit of um free time and that i'm using this week off i got from work um to do yeah different things and that and i did this um nice sort of moroccan sausage dish then included lentils and i've never cooked lentils before but yes good good on you getting on the lentil train tyler good job thank you that's what we call positive reinforcement folks so uh, there you go the next time he is eating lentils he'll think of me there you go (laughs) that's it but um i never thought to like oh steep the lentils and cook the lentils separately i just thought oh chuck them into this large pan i've got where has all this stock gone? What sponge has been entered in here? But yeah. I am <laughs> making lentils. <laughs> I mean, have you ever felt like that? Um, like, uh oh, like, you know, on work experience, like Burns here, you know, being like a bit useless. I mean, I have distinct memories of like, you mentioned work experience, like the first time of like, you know, putting on the, the suit and tie gimmick, you know, and getting on, getting on a bus or a tram and being like, I am going to a job and looking around <laughs> like, you know, you know, like you're somehow important. And then like the novelty of that wearing off and around three minutes. And then you're just like, I am very, very upset to be on this uh, particular place at the moment in time I am at. And it's very noisy and it smells and it's always raining. So I, I, I get that kind of childhood uh, whimsy with this. But this reminds me too much of like useless people that I would know in like university who would like, you know, oh, yeah. never do anything. And they're like, I'm taking out the bin. Like, good fucking job. Like, <laughs> yay. Like, it's not Animal Crossing. You do not get Nook Miles. You do not get rewards for doing these things. So Burns being like, I'm shopping. Or you're like, yes, yes, we all have to do it all the time. Or guess what? You are. We'll all starve and die. That's what will happen. <laughs> Oh, I guess very quickly. Um, can you please tell me your like worst uni uh, housemate experience? Oh no, let's see, let's see. Or is mm. it too many to count? <laughs> mm. I mean, I've I was fairly fortunate. I was fairly fortunate, and I had kind of because I was the first one in, the last one out. I kind of you know was in that enviable can dictate who does what situation ah, but sweet. there was a, you know who moves in and who moves out i should say i wasn't able to stop people doing diddly boo <laughs> but there was someone who swore to me and this this was not in ireland you wouldn't get this in ireland you only get this here in the uk this carry on yeah where i had a housemate and they swore to me they didn't have enough money for the water bill that was overdue and I saw them one hour later buying a Spider-Man action figure in a toy shop downtown. Now, never you mind why I was in a toy shop. What was he doing in a toy shop buying a big Spider-Man action figure? And uh, then he tweeted about it. And then I replied with a, a, a screen cap of the bill with the details blurred out. And uh, he blocked oh, me on brilliant. Twitter, which I've only been blocked on Twitter once by someone I've lived with. And that was the, that was that occasion. That was early days of Twitter mind as well. Like, so this was a, this was war. So honestly, if you're a housemate, you can do pretty much anything. But if money becomes involved and, and, and money's owed, that's when the line is crossed, my friends. We have um we have Burns going into the supermarket now, 
You know, he needs to see um, you know, where the Burnsos are because you know he's a big name though, even though he's fallen hard times there. But you know, they they don't give cereals out to anyone there. So Crust says, as he buys up what almost all of his aisle as well there. Now, are you a, are you a cereal man, Kevin? There, are you a Weetabix? Because myself, my treat cereal, like if I'm feeling particularly bougier, if it's a nice month with overtime, that. I'm a crunchy nut man, or crunchy Ooh. nut coasters. Yes. Now, uh, I'm historically have been a, a a cereal man of of many of many many different varieties. Crunchy nut definitely would be in there. Nesquik was a childhood uh, childhood fave to be sure. A lot of time for Wheatos because I think Wheatos were one of the best cereals that convinced you they were far more chocolatey than they actually were because wheat Ooh, and chocolate yeah. go together, don't they? And they're the same color. So were they really chocolate flavored? Were they? Did they even say it? I, I can't remember. But these days I'm, I'm a porridge man first and foremost. Ooh. But I, I, I would have on weekends, like as a sweet thing, I'll get like a fancy box of cereal. For instance, the, the, the Reese's peanut cereal. That's a very good time indeed. I have a lot of, lot of time for the Reese's peanut butter cereal. Golden grains are the greatest cereal has ever been oh, made and i'll die on that show. hill even even though they changed the formula so there's not technically a lethal dose in salt if you have more than one bowl anymore <laughs> you know you know you've eaten too many bowls of golden grains when you're when your wee becomes a bit fizzy that's when you've you've crossed <laughs> the, the salt threshold into deadly territory so uh yeah I, I do feel though that this is one of these jokes where you have to turn to your kid and be like yeah, you see, when we were kids, they used to put cartoons on the boxes of the really unhealthy foods to make us buy them. And they're like, really? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't promise that this will be the last time I attempt this but there, but you being a man of, you know, the Celtic Isles and Irish, were you one for a fry on a special weekend? A fry? A fry? I, I like a fry. I mean, I'll tell you what, the regional variants of the fry, there are a lot of them. Oh, tell us. I well, Scotland's obviously got your Lauren sausage. You got the haggis in there. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of contenders in there. In the in Ireland, you're going to be getting your potato bread as standard if they know what they're doing. Over there, you've got your beans, and that's fine. That's that's a valid option. But I'd feel silly eating one of your English breakfasts unless I had some serious work to be doing to get all them beans through me, because otherwise it's just a waste of calories, you know. Now up in Northern Ireland, you've got the the farrel, okay? You got the you got the you got the soda farrel, and this is a triangular piece of brilliance that is griddled. It can be fried. You can put your egg on it. You can put your bacon on it. You've got the beginnings of a break of a breakfast sandwich there as as an intrinsic part of the meal. So I would suggest anyone on this uh, on these British Isles that if you want to have the ultimate of the variant of the fry that you should probably head to Northern Ireland, where I, I submit to you, someone who lived near the border, that they do it best. Close second, Scotland. Wales, I haven't had a contender yet from you. I have to go eat a breakfast in Wales. I'm sorry, I don't know. All right, if there are any regional Welf Welsh editions, I'd like to know. If Welsh cakes are invited to the party, you may be in second place. That's all I'm saying. We have um, possibly the most iconic, or at least the most memed moment of this episode there, where Burns is choosing between ketchup, ketchup. and... Ketchup. 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 Ooh, way over my head. Um, as far as memes and like shit posting and uh, well, everything now that Twitter and all these Facebook shit posting sites, um, many of which I'm a part of, and that, and so is the podcast. Um, do you have a favourite Simpsons meme? Where does oh. the ketchup cats up? Um, way up to you. Ketchup. 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 
I'm in way over my head. He's uh, talking to the ketchup now. Burns is sure acting nutty. Maybe going broke and losing his plants destroyed his brain. Um, I think in terms of shit posting, it's got to be you've got the dud and the face that's made. The like little wry smile yes. breaks me. Absolutely breaks me. And if you've ever listened to the SCR podcast and if we've ever said you got the dud, there's a good chance there's five minutes of laughter that's been edited out. <laughs> like that, well, that's a line that just kind of quintessentially will break a group of people in half, I think. So, yeah, you got the dud is definitely uh, definitely got to be up there. Uh, I was obsessed with the uh, the sugar one as well, where, where Homer dancing with all the, uh, the lollipops and oh, candy, yes. you know. Uh, and I mean, you know, you could be here all day talking about it. And you, the elephant in the room is obviously uh, steamed hams. And I have to mention my favorite steamed hams. Oh, please. Shit post or anything is probably the one where it's set to the confrontation song from Les Mis. About, Les Mis. That's, a, that's a, a piece of high art right there. And I do love with shit posting how it's kind of the general theme is you don't own The Simpsons anymore, creators of The Simpsons. Like it's, it's taken ownership away in such a real fundamental way that. Like, if you were, like, a kid today and you were online, I don't know what the fuck you would think this show is. I Like, same with Seinfeld as well. Seinfeld has been, like, kind of stripped for parts in that same way by the internet. And I, I'd love to know what, like, in 10 years' time, what, like, the 20-somethings will actually think of The Simpsons compared to now. It'll probably be even weirder. We have the shop workers saying now, oh, Burns has lost his marbles, you know, since he became broke there. So um, they don't cart him off to the nut house. They don't actually let him get um, proper medical and rehab kind of help. No, um, they cart him off there to the Springfield Retirement Castle. And they even signed over the papers, Kevin. How nice. We're back at um, Evergreen Terrace now, and Lisa's still going about her way recycling. And Homer has been absolutely tanning these cans here now. <laughs> Here you go, honey. That's about all the recycling I can handle today. Dad, if you just drink one more, I'll have a full bag. Oh, but Daddy doesn't feel so good. There's got to be more trash around here somewhere. Hey, why don't you try the old folks' home? They practically live in their own filth. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, honey. And there's great design there, you know, is... Three hairs are messed there. His eyes are completely blackened there. I mean, what's your um, poison? What is your sweet neck there that you'd have to, that you're able to tan through there, Kevin? Are you a man of the sesh? Oh, man. Now, if, uh, if I'm to tan, I'd be going for any sort of a smooth ale whatsoever. Uh, a, a pint of bitter is probably 60% of the reason why I live in the country I live in currently. Uh, you know, uh, if if it's a if it's a party and you know and that is required of me, I will I will probably go for gin and tonic or something like that. If I'm just you know having food and drinking at my own pace, I'll probably go at wine because I love me some wine. Now I love the portrayal of Homer's drinking of The Simpsons here because you could talk about it for a million years, like how messed up it is that well, they show him drinking scary, so much the fact of but it's yeah it's so unglamorous isn't it like when you see homer drunk it's never like awesome he's it's like no it's like what it's like to be a kid or a drunk adult it's fucking horrible and like i kind of i admire the warts and all inclusion of homer being a problem drinker and that's an argument i guess you could make for you know, not just censoring showing everything because you could say oh don't show this it's bad for kids but it's like well it's actually maybe not the worst thing in the world for a kid to see that it's okay to be disappointed in or to, to see something unflattering portrayed as such. 
and not fucking cool like it often was in the 90s as well. Now, for myself, as far as um, the tanning situation that home is going through, I've recently, um, I get it, I think I'm going to get now for Christmas and just for this birthday, um, there's a cider called Lily's Cider there. Um, it's featured in a lot of um, city bars. I've not found it in your neck of the woods in Manchester, but Sheffield, Leeds, um, other parts of the north there. Oh, and it's just like nectar. It's almost like Ribena still stuff there. And oh, can... that's dangerous last words mm. that were spoken. Almost like Ribena. Carve that on the tombstone. <laughs> but if I'm to try ales and I've still got my kid head on and my adult taste buds of, oh, it just tastes like, you know, <laughs> bread, bread or arse. But if you're to get me on the hops bandwagon and the ale bandwagon, where should I start then, Kevin? Oh, I mean, I just go to like go to your local and ask what's local. That's that's the thing, like, because mm. you've got this quite a special thing in the UK where from Yonks back they made all these kind of concessions, so it's real cheap to set up a brewery and sell directly. Like, there's tax breaks or whatever. I'm not sure if they're still there, but it means that there's quite a little thriving cottage industry of all different sorts of little micro breweries and all that. So I like, you know, I've lived in Lincoln, I've lived in Manchester, and I've lived in Glasgow, and every place I went to. There was a whole different variety of little local things you could get. And if it's local, it'll probably be cheaper as well. So and if it's local and you hate it, you can go and tell them in person that you think it smells like bread or arse. <laughs> so it's it, it becomes face to face then, you know. So they all, that's why you should buy local, you know, keep it in the keep it within the confines of the local. Homer, you know, before he's physically sick, says, oh, why don't you try the old folks home? You know, they live in their own filth. So try your recycling dab hand over there. So Lisa ends up going over. But we get to see... Burns, well, settling might not be the right word, but he's trying to settle into a life in the retirement castle, and it's so sad, Kevin, because, oh, we can't go in there. Oh, we can't go over there. Don't even think about trying to go into the games room. Oh, yeah, and the, the best thing to do is to grab yourself a spot at the steering window, which is... <laughs> With a single-leaf like, tree. So, I mean, I don't know your experience with old folks' homes, but, like, both of my grannies are in old folks' homes. One is currently in an old folks' home. Uh, although I'm not sure how aware of the fact she is of that. She's 98, I think, now. Which is, oh, wow. Which is amazing. It kind of feels like if you're playing poker and you've got one really good card, I'm like, okay, well, I've got a granny who's 98, so maybe, you know, <laughs> the, the game of life, that's got to count for something, right? I've got to get a buff or a stat boost at least, right? So, yeah, the, that is quite a... Uh, quite a, an accurate reflection uh when i was a kid watching the simpsons i used to laugh to myself that there's no way old folks homes are that bad because yeah, i love my too. grandparents yeah. and nope they're much worse because they don't have dementia in the simpsons and it's a lot less you know kind of harrowing and whatnot so i think it the simpsons were were right to portray the bleakness of the the, the retirement home but you have to admit, they play it up for laughs more often than us. Well, for myself, I mean, my granddad's going to be 93 um, this year, so um, good on him. But thankfully, he um, he's avoided the old folks' home. They even, you know, after my granny passing many years ago and that. But he's now moved into a lush, um, it's a lush bungalow. He just lives there um, with himself now. And they've got like a um, conjoined uh, garden between uh, three of them there. And he's just having a right rip-roaring time there. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not... Um, it's definitely leaps and bounds above the retirement castle there. Yeah. <laughs> and there are um, featured activities as well, which includes a bit of, um, oh, Christ, um, who would have thought he would have been relevant without Old Town Road again? Billy Ray Cyrus with um, Achy Breaky Heart, a nice little um, sweating with the oldies kind of number here. And we even get, um, 
I love his cowboy hat, but he tries to, you know, come on, Mr. Burns, join in. And the face on him, Kevin, there. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like this could have been the whole episode. You know, that's that's the thing. The problem I have with this is because this episode is, as a whole is that there's it seems like quite a wacky adventure. And along the way, there are like individual bits that are like Burns losing his money. That could be a whole episode on its own. But it's Burns losing his money. Then Burns living with Smithers. Again, that could be a whole episode. Burns living in the retirement community. That could be a whole episode. It feels like we have an episode's worth of ideas to get us to the destination of Mr. Burns buys a recycling plant, which is not as fun an idea as those other ones we just mentioned. Do you take critique with... Because, I mean, whenever I'm, you know, uh, talking with people over social media through the uh, podcast account, will you try and argue, you know, this isn't season 10 to 12 but we like to think season 10 to 12 has got that sheer insanity kind of value to it you can get a laugh out of how ludicrous things get now but um what do you think of your um you know we're getting to the inciting instant of the inciting instance there like burns hopping from place to place to place is that a does that get in your craw a bit or are you more lenient with it i mean i don't i think that it, ha- it happens so often with shows you see with game of thrones as well that when the wheels fall off the wagon a little bit in terms of like the clarity of you know when something that seems to have a very tight structure then it becomes a bit like weird and like okay there's lots of some inconsistencies happening here it seems a little bit different and like i don't think that's the worst thing in the world because like seinfeld's a show i i love a lot and people critique the last few seasons of that as well because they're like oh but it got a bit crazy and a bit weird I'm like yes it did but some of those episodes have some of the funniest lines, the like the most ridiculous situations that you needed this to happen. Oh, so, yeah, like Serenity Now and what have you. Yeah, and like the little kicks, Elaine's dancing. That's like one of the last seasons. Like there's so much gold in those later seasons. And I don't think The Simpsons quite has that like level of gold, let's just say, in some of these wild episodes. But like I know the episode where Homer goes to New York, a lot of people are like, that's just stupid, silly Simpsons, crazy oh, it's episode. Incredible, wow. though. But I love that episode. That's one I got very fond memories of as a kid. So yeah, it's it's difficult. I don't mind you going wacky as long as it's still good. I think the problem is is when you had things like The Simpsons going to Japan, but it was still not funny or even that surprising. It's like, well, something's obviously not working here now because we're doing the wacky concepts, but we're not getting the laughs. So why are we doing the wacky concepts if we can't get the laughs? Burns realizing, oh, maybe I've got to get used to this drab, horrible life. But we hear, oh, that shrill nasal voice, it's her. And Lisa's coming around, you know, seeing if she can get any sort of recycling done around here. And Burns is so, um, you know, spurned on by this that he wants Lisa's help there, you know. But Lisa flat out refuses, saying, no, you evil old man. Yes, that's the kind of gumption I need. And he's just, and he's not taking no for an answer. And we get, um, until, like, I watched this years ago and actually looked up the reference. The Mary Tyler Moore show, which I can't re- I, well, I can't remember for the life of me being a kid or even now. I never saw this on my um, terrestrial telly waves. Um, I don't know about you, Kevin. No, no, definitely. Uh, there, it's. It, I thought it was like a play off my girl or something like that because he goes that girl. But it's it is the Mary Tyler Moore show, yeah. And I think, but like that's that's again one of the. the the shows that I think got a lot of play in America and didn't get any play at, at all over here. I know like Leave It to Beaver is another one where it's like, oh, that's quintessential viewing for the writers of The Simpsons. But it's not like things like Bewitched or stuff, which we still got to see over here. Because I think we did get quite a healthy diet of 60s American TV and 70s as well. Just not that. Sorry. You got to go for like Cagney and Lacey or reference all understand guys next time, okay? Despite the nice little montage there, Lisa's flat out saying, 
no. So Mr. Burns, you know, he gets his best um what trilby bowl hat there. Um I know we're not supposed to, you know, like you said before, Kevin, that they soften him up too much there, but I just find him really cute there. Like he's been very earnest. Where did he get that hat from? My that is a my... stunt hat immediate reaction though when he comes in he's like begging for for lisa to come and i, I love what he like reacts to maggie he's like ah the girl who shot me no i mean your daughter lisa I, I love when he's on his knees but like the first thing it reminded me of is a much better joke which is when he he comes in and he clicks his fingers and then smithers comes and goes please please <laughs> like that that like for me if you're reminding me of a previous better joke you did oh. that's not a, that's not a good thing and like you know, that's something that I try to be conscious of in when I'm podcasting is not to just do something that will remind you of something you might prefer. <laughs> He's still being adamant, you know, he'll give you 10% there and I promise, you know, I'm a changed man. I'm a better man now. And Lisa begrudgingly accepts there. She will think this old man has changed, but I mean, has he? Let's find out as we enter um, the third act, surprisingly. Oh, y yeah. You can't let that one line from Bart though go, which is like, Bar has very little play in this episode, but the one line he does give that like completely sells you on Bar as a character entirely, where Homer goes, "Why aren't you making any big business deals, boy?" I'll do it this afternoon. <laughs> like that's just absolute. I love that so much. Now we're on to the third act now, and it's um, I think about eight, nine or so minutes left. So as far as like pacing and that, this is um, a fairly good episode as far as um, you're pacing that and putting each segment into its uh, own Kevin yeah it, it is a blistering pace and as obviously I had issue I mentioned about the fact that we go from place to place to place to place but as someone who probably looks at his watch uh, several times when I'm watching anything for any podcast I do I couldn't I literally I was like like I sat down and then I got up and 23 minutes had gone by type of thing like I I, I don't think I realize yet how when you've watched something as much as The Simpsons, when you sit down to watch it again, time just goes faster. It just goes... Yeah, it's really strange. Like, uh, next time I'm really looking forward to like, Christmas or something, I'm just going to watch a bunch of Simpsons and make the hours fly by a lot quicker than normal. Uh, that's a hack you could use, folks. They're starting their efforts on the beachfront there and the breadcrumb throughout this, you know, they keep bringing up the plastic beer rings there. you got to cut them up, otherwise they'll catch the fish in them. You get them, and is there much money to be had, um, Lisa? Well, you get a nickel for each bit and you know oh don't poo poo a nickel lisa and um i mean i love burns when he starts going off on his old memories and that but um sticking kidney pie a ride in the trolley and enough change left over to do something else old timey i'm sure uh, <laughs> burns is burns is like when he goes into those modes are great because like as a kid he'd do any of those jokes and i'd just be like haha old man saying old man thing and then like going back to it now and being like god like how fucking handcrafted this little fucking weird little side venture in his mind is and like i love i love like it's very lovingly done like that's written by someone who's had to listen to a lot of long toothed conversations in their time you know this is definitely me i'm um, trying to explain to anyone that's now um uh 20 and younger saying oh but you know for that 10p you could buy five freddos or you'd be like for 20 quid you used to be able to buy two cds and they're like what's a cd and like well it's like a tape what's that it's never mind <laughs> i mean there are actually people who will pay good money for garbage not good money really each can will get you a nickel no don't poo poo a nickel lisa 
A nickel will buy you a steak and kidney pie, a cup of coffee, a slice of cheesecake, and a newsreel. With enough change left over to ride the trolley from Battery Park to the polo grounds. There's a can. And we also get the nice little reversal a bit later with, um, you know, Burns earning his first dollar there. And he's being very industrious, buying nails and that, being more efficient with his um, garbage collecting there. Well, Lisa, as my advisor, you're entitled to 10%. Oh, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm just happy knowing that future generations will enjoy unspoiled median strips and pristine highway embankments. There's a can. Lisa trying to show the like, oh yeah, and you know, if you're able to collect more on that, we can create you know, more um, renewable resource and help declutter the whole atmosphere. And Burns is just pulling the same face and he gives them the there's a can. I mean, I, I just have to admit, like, once again, I'm blown away by the industriousness of, of older folks, like, you know, because you got Mr. Burns here, right? Look, what it seems to be one day he goes from picking up cans in the trash to on the verge of opening a, a, a huge facility to recycle and, and save the planet. Like, come on now. That's that's the kind of, Can we just get a couple of those old folks out there? Like, your dad's, your granddad's 93. Could he go out, like, maybe, you know, set up some recycling stuff, clean the air, things like that? Start out all the plastic in the ocean? I feel like the old folks are not unleashing their maximum potential as portrayed in The Simpsons. I mean, it will do much for a couple of sausages and black pudding, so I can, I can actually <laughs> give them a call. <laughs> But we have, uh, you know, Channel 10 news coming through, you know, where's uh, Monty Burns, the twisted, loveless billionaire, come through? Where is he now, then? Um, what He destroyed or stole Christmas for, like, three years on the trot, Kevin? Uh, 81 to 85, yeah, joining uh, Oliver Cromwell and the Cancel Christmas Club as uh, the uh, all-time Christmas baddies, really. They're, they're the absolute villains. And the third member of that is the innkeeper who turned Jesus away as well. All these people who wish Christmas never happened, essentially. So, yeah, quite a rogues gallery there. Uh, I like this. I, I like it with Ken Brotman and Channel 5 News. And again, as a kid watching this, completely over the head i never realized that it was meant to be like a critique of like you know gotcha journalism or like yeah. kind of, you know when it, when it the, literally the name of the segment is in you know on our new light-hearted series it's funny when it happens to them <laughs> like, and it's so on the goddamn nose and it's exactly like exactly like it's funny what seemed like parody then just seems like very normal now in many respects like if if you show me a clip from like you know last week tonight or from fox news and it said like it's funny when Britain. it happens here's, to them here's piers morgan pretty much yeah pretty much but like that exact title I, I would think yeah that would be on good morning britain it's funny when it happens to them like but he's busy uh interviewing burns now he's just hovering around and getting trash from the trash can he goes oh you know i'm on my way up there you know i'm full of cash there and full of cans as well and yeah, Burns is very positive in this, but, you know... He is, he's turning his cans into can-do. And Brockman, you know, he's still got to get that snidey um, bit of gotcha, and you know, well, you smell awful. <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who does um, Brockman write, remind you of as far as, you know, like your newsy types, your journo types? Um, just because of his absolute, like, bald-faced, like, ability to just to say anything with a with a smile and like no kind of recrimination worry whatsoever he really reminds me of paxman a little bit uh, the last few weeks i've been watching charlie brooker's old end of year wipe reviews from like 2010 which if you want to see the last 10 years of your life whiz by in a depressing tailspin of nightmare fuel 
I'd recommend doing that. If you don't want to do that, avoid it at all costs. But in there, there was a, in the 2015 election where Ed Miliband was just, you know, the nice polite boy being interviewed by Jeremy Paxford. And there's a point where he goes, what do you say to the bloke on the tube who just says, yeah, he's just a North London geek. And that just reminds oh. me so much. And, and he just goes, I'm, I'm sorry, I, who cares? I'm sorry. And that really reminds me of Brockman, of just that kind of, look, I've got a line I'm going to say, I don't care what's coming back <laughs> Lisa's even trying to sell the family that you know Mr Burns has changed in that oh Marge See? is coming out with some yeah <laughs> Marge is coming out with some real zingers in this yeah it went from uh, being stinking rich to just plain stinking <laughs> <laughs> horrifying laugh she does and Homer's little you know I don't know if you, boom two in a row oh, <laughs> this really sold it for me now, yeah it from- reminded me of uh, you don't win friends with salad and like you get these few little moments where there is a little bit of tension between Marge and Lisa, which I think is kind of like that's that's something that rarely gets reflected in like in kind of family shows like that, like mothers and daughters not getting along. That's always like a much more adult thing, even though it, it happens quite a lot, obviously. So her like having the little dig here about like, you know, see and then later on being like, Oh, it turns out he is successful, see. Like, it's 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 not polite to to, to gloat, right, homie? Right. See <laughs> And like I I know a lot of people who would do that to their daughters and to their mothers. <laughs> As far as the subject, you know, mothers and daughters and that, um, what do you think of, um, obviously, I've seen many memes and it's fair common opinion, well, not fair common opinion, but a popular opinion that, um, you know, oh, you know, it's a bad episode if Lisa's in it, or, you know, oh, Lisa's, you know, oh, she's just venting and that, and oh, she's just a miserable character. Now, is there any evidence behind this, or is this just a bunch of, you know, internalised misogyny, uh, online coming out with uh, angry white men i i think it's a little column a and a little column b to, to to quote abe simpson you know i think there's genuinely been some lisa centric episodes that are a bit long in the tooth and i think maybe like you have the benefit of looking back now and kind of going okay that's not great but for 1990 it's pretty good that they were, did an episode about this whole issue or whatever which maybe in the 90s, you know, as somebody who spends a lot of time watching, you know, pop culture from the late 90s, I could see why there would be a consensus about like a girl doing an episode about a thing. Like, you know, that's there's a lot of misogyny in the media at the time, I think. But like Lisa the Vegetarian is an episode that I really, really love. I think it's like an, an excellent, excellent episode about a kind of a, a tricky subject that still relatively holds up pretty well, I think, like in terms of, you know, picking your battles and stuff like that i think a lot of times they do make a bigger point with lisa in the episode where oftentimes the point could be you know pick your battles or like know who your friends are or whatever it may be and i don't know i think that there's as many bad homer episodes there's definitely way more terrible bar episodes than there are lisa episodes i'd love to actually see a kind of if you stacked up a graph i'm sure tyler of like the who's the central character for each episode lisa's probably number three or number four easily like her and marge i would say easily get the least amount of episodes but like you could also make the argument as well that if lisa the whole point is that she's meant to be like the voice of protest and dissent if she didn't piss some people off watching it well then they wouldn't be doing its job but yeah lisa the original skylar white uh, with the toxic fandom uh, tearing her down not understanding her role in the show guys come on like when the show you know was in its inception that was sam simon simon being the lead writer and bringing in these brilliant talents you know like james l brooks and you know swartzbow and that he didn't care for writing in women and giving you know lisa and marge 
prominent roles there because he himself um, went through a nasty divorce and that seemed to um, bleed through the right... a bit, yeah. Yeah, and bleed through the writing of the show to um, some extent there. But like I, I would argue to you that the, the the show is at its sweetest and most wholesome, or like maybe even most positive, you could say, in the, the moments between Homer and Lisa. I think their relationship is kind of the sweetest, and I think that that is when the show is almost most mature in some ways is when those two and like how could you argue that the least episodes are the worst when they give you constantly the most touching moments in the show because i think that looking back a lot of the touching moments between homer and marge are a little bit like particularly with the way homer becomes later on but the touching stuff with homer and lisa is still kind of it's pretty damn pure so yeah if you don't like that you don't even deserve to watch simpsons Burns is going from strength to strength now. He's even, you know, roped in the old folks and the old folks home as well. And much like um Kevin with Melentals, thank you very much. Positive reinforcement. You can't bully the workers in there now. So if we get this done by, you know, four, I'll take you to the most duck-filled pond ever there. <laughs> uh, so he goes from having an old folks home to having an actual brick and mortar industrial plant quite quickly. Like he's gotten yeah, all the upgrades. Fine. If this was SimCity, I'd accuse him of cheating, really, like he's gotten here so fast. Now, as far as positive reinforcements instead of bullying, how does this relate to, you know, WWE's kind of sense of work mentality as well? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, let's say Abe Simpson, hey, you know, we're letting you go in this current climate, but don't worry, you can play out this storyline on TV and you can sign, but it'll be for less money. But but don't worry, you're putting a good fight there, Maver- I mean, Simpson. Yeah, yeah, and uh, if you just keep it up and, you know, you, you work through this dark period, we'll take you to the most opportunity-filled tryout you've ever seen. So. <laughs> Burns has, you know, worked his way again, and he's opened Little Lisa's um, recycling plant there. And yeah, you least... get way more for 10% for those image rights, Lisa. Know your value, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, and you get to see, you know, all the tertiary characters of Springfield there, all the townsfolk, and Mo. I mean, his only appearance here, but, you know, talk about maximising your minutes there. Oh, ain't that cute? Makes little Debbie look like a pile of puke. <laughs> He's just forever the putrid sort of gross character yeah i i like like when mo is just the voice of like dirty men who live on their own like that is mo at his best you know like you know i think of mo i always think of when you see the cameras in everyone's house and he's doing the taxi driver thing to himself and like the more oh, he th- yeah. <laughs> and like that's such a biting like it's so accurate because people like that who like live on their own but also taxi driver is his favorite movie and also he's doing it himself in the mirror it's like ah, there's so many layers he had to buy that coat ah! <laughs> <laughs> well it's an antique mirror nonetheless <laughs> oh yeah i love uh, barney look at the windows as well i woke up this morning and i said barney you're not gonna lick that mirror. I lo- love that. Again, Barney is probably like the a, a real problematic thing. Like as a kid, where I'm like, ha ha, he's drunk, and you know, I I, I have never been aff- afflicted like my life by like uh, alcoholism in 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 any sort of a way. So like, I don't really know if me kind of how valid like i'm just like it never affected me so i never had a problem with barney's betrayal but i would imagine for some folks barney who is very often uses just the one note gag and whatnot like is he is he drunk in current simpsons or because i know he sobered up at one point 
like where have they reconciled Barney or is he kind of in the the the, the nether zone or whatnot? Well, I think um, well for a period I know in the early two thousands he had that surprisingly great episode where he becomes sober and that and you know learns to fly and all that. But and then the bit... moral of the story is coffee's as bad as being an alcoholic. So oh, suck yeah. it, hipsters. <laughs> So Burns, um, you know, with the ingenious design, you know, he's having recycled papers of power in the plant there, you know, he's got um, recycled bottles onto the window. The greatest thing, and you know, we've had the breadcrumb through the episode, if one plastic beer ring can catch one fish, well then a million can catch a million fish. I don't know about you, but I like the overly villainous reveal there, and you get to see the big net, and he pulls the big Jesus, um, <laughs> he pulls the big lever there, Jesus, and he starts gutting the ocean there i mean it's a great visual great animation here yeah and it's funny because you know burns being the old-timey you know parody of the 19th century industrialists there was like a theory at the time in the 19th century that friends of charles darwin shared that there were more fish and there was more fish and food in the ocean than we as humans could ever hope to 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 consume it was like an infinite well because it was so big that it was incalculable how much food there was. So the idea of sweeping the ocean clean being like completely all right is like you know lining with with Burns's values or whatever. I particularly like when he's doing his villainous reveal where he's uh, explaining why he's doing it, and because it's an excellent uh, an excellent engine coolant, an excellent dynamite. It can be used, you know, even if you're feeling a bit nauseous, you have a spoonful of slurry to cure what ails you. And when Lisa says it's horrible, and he goes, "I don't understand." engines need coolant dynamiters need dynamite and like just you know he's thinking of the consumer man you know he's a capitalist to the core i love this oh you haven't changed at all you're still evil and when you're trying to be good you're even more evil i don't understand pigs need food engines need coolant dynamiters need dynamite i'm supplying it to them at a tidy profit and not a single sea creature was wasted you inspired it all Little Lisa. A very good line here from Lisa, you know, oh, you're still evil, and then when you try to be good, you're just even more evil. <laughs> Probably the last reference in the episode, but this is very, um, this is very, um, McMahon. This is very WWE, you know, hard-working Republican, so they say. I wonder, yeah, where the, where the episode want, like, it's again, like, the earlier Simpsons, I always feel at the end they knew what they wanted to tell you. And even if that's what they want to tell you is that family is important or like, you know, it's it's okay to mess up if you apologize or you know, whatever it is. And like, you have the bit now where Lisa's running through everyone saying like, no, don't recycle. It's actually evil. And it's like, all body snatchers. Type, it's all yeah. body snatchers. And like, I do remember, I don't know if you're aware, you know, Penn and Teller, they used to have a, the, the magicians used to have a show called Bullshit where they'd be like, here's a you know, widely considered belief and let's talk oh, about why yeah, it's wrong. I and I remember when I was like 2002 or three, I watched one of their episodes about recycling and they're like, you know, recycling is bullshit because it creates more carbon dioxide than it actually reduces and the industry that it, it creates is really bad for the environment. So I was like, oh, fuck recycling then. And like, I was, you know, a little alternative kid who was like, actually recycling's bad, mom and dad. You shouldn't do that. And... I'm not sure, like, how helpful it is for them to be an MB. Like, oh, turns out recycling's really ambiguous. <laughs> like, they just drop it at the end. Like, is it just that Lisa should move on to something else? Or recycling is bad? Or, you know, recycle, but just check that they're not making explosive slurry out of it and killing the ocean first <laughs> in the same unit at the industrial estate. You have to check with them. Yeah, recycle, but don't put too much effort in, you 
big nerd. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't like, don't like, do it every week or anything. Don't like try or anything like that. You know, whatever. If your mom asks you to do it, whatever, <laughs> man, whatever. <laughs> so Lisa is then like offered ten. It's what the twelve million dollars she's offered or thereabouts. Yes, ten percent of the total um worth. Yeah, a big right. piece of the pie, no doubt. I think maybe this is where people were put off Lisa, and maybe the you know these internal massages really take a gripe with them. Is Lisa's decision here because she can't truly accept this money, and she rips it up. Now, could she not just? I'm trying to do devil's advocate here because I'm fine with the decision. You know, I'm not. I'm not hateful of women, um, but wouldn't you just be able to? You know reinvest this dirty old white man's uh, money yeah, into Yeah, right, know. that's yeah. it. Here's the problem. If you're angry with Lisa for tearing up that check, you're being angry at a child, and that's wrong, okay? You need to be angry at the parents who gave her, you know, the fucking bullet points of morality, being like, yeah, taking money's bad, diddly diddly do, and not going into the fine print, because any child of mine will get the morality talk, but they'll get the fine print of which any six-figure, five-figure, or hell, even three-figure sum needs to be talked about with the family first. <laughs> and then we can talk about how we can use that money to destroy them. That's, that's very different. So it's not Lisa's fault for her idealistic values that were given to her by a well-meaning but ultimately ineffective liberal value household, okay? They didn't do the work. Homer drinks too much. Marge needs to see a therapist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Lisa rip up the check and Marge's reassuring, oh, honey, you did the right thing. And right behind them, it's very late, folks, but this is my favourite moment right at the end of the episode. Homer takes a complete, you know, flat back bump. What a worker, just bam, just like that. Fantastic. Oh, you I thought have... you were saying, like, he, he, what a worker. He took that heart attack really well. Like, you know, <laughs> man, he sold that thing. Like, he really put it over. <laughs> yeah, you know, if this was back in Bill Watts days, you know, you'd see the zipper club stitch up his chest there. They'd make it real, damn it. <laughs> you know, he started having a heart attack, but he didn't sell it because there were some fans there. and He didn't want them to think he was weak. <laughs> so he just kind of, you know, worked it through. Then he went into the bathroom and he had it there respectfully and quietly with a bit of dignity yeah you did the right thing sweetheart <laughs> well that's the first case i've ever seen of a man suffering four simultaneous heart attacks i'm sorry dad it's all right i understand but we really could have used that twelve thousand dollars um, Dad, 10% of $120 million isn't 12000 It's... Code Blue. Code Blue. Homer's back in hospital after four simultaneous heart attacks with that news. And Homer's trying to, you know, put the brave face on and tell his little girl, Oh, you know, it's all right, honey. We didn't need that, um... Was it one thousand two hundred or twelve thousand? Twelve, twelve hundred dollars. I think he thinks. Yeah, twelve, no, twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, and it it is interesting to me that this like final gag here, which you know absolutely worked, you know, got me laughing nonstop. But like, I there's a quote in my mind about from a couple of years I heard back where Matt Groening was asked like, was there any bits in The Simpsons that you regretted? And he specifically mentioned the Homer quadruple bypass episode saying that he thought that it was wrong for them to make essentially a comedy episode or a comedy show about a guy having a heart attack. Now I thought that that episode amusing as it is and very, very raw and whatnot, 
but it was dealing with quite a serious issue, you know, and it's one that affects people. You know, heart attacks are, are, are common enough occurrence in, in life, unfortunately. Uh, but, like, to the point where we are now in season eight, where he has four heart attacks as just a quick throwaway gag, kind of would feel that some of the original, like, ethos is beginning to wane a little bit into the later seasons here. Well, yeah, and one we've just recently um, reviewed and should be out soon, folks, um, in Bart Carney as well, he's going to ride the tooth chipper with the family and Marge saying, no, you've had a quadruple bypass. Um, think of your heart. And he goes, oh, no, it's fine. You don't see the family. Um, you just hear the, obviously, tooth chipper. Oh, and then, oh, my heart. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's like, that's that's humour that I more associate with South Park where, like, they're just directly, it's just like, here's the misfortune and it's something that you know about and it's funny and you know it feels a bit mean to the simpsons but then again like this is at the point where homer was becoming a much less sympathetic character anyway he's becoming that weird jerk ass homer around this point i guess you're starting to see that evolution so maybe it doesn't matter that homer has heart attacks now because he's a prick that's maybe what we're meant to learn (laughs) from this is that it's like lisa has to tell me 10% of 120 million dollars isn't you know 1,200. It's then a cold blue, cold blue, and you get to see a little. Um, he little had another one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, interesting in this episode, I really enjoyed watching it, although it was certainly very challenging to my season 10 is the official cutoff point. Season 8's got some groans and some growing pains that I definitely didn't notice on my first, second, third, fourth, or fifth rewatching, you know, uh, growing up or or in recent years. Those your final thoughts, or if you want to add any extra comments, I'll um, have them, Kevin, at your behest. And with, um, could you give us a unique rating out of five? Now, typically on this show, we do this unique rating out of five, so it'll be, you know, five little Lisa slurry cans out of five, something along those lines. <laughs> Okay, well, I will give this episode, I would say, three steak and kidney pies out of five. And I think I loved a lot of the, like, a lot of the classic lines that we talked about. I really loved. I think think the humor and the writing is still, like, razor, razor sharp. And I think, like, some of the lines that really stuck with me, particularly, is, like, Ralph crying and saying, oh, help, mommy. mommy. Like, that, that's huge. As is a lot of the times, like the epi- the kind of the big funniest funny moments, the, you know, the catch up cats up thing. I think that's a moment like it's like the Pulp Fiction effect where I've seen the movie so many times that nothing that I see of it registers any emotion whatsoever. Now I feel I've maybe passed that point where if I'm laughing at catch up cats up, it feels like I don't know, like I'd be drooling as well because someone's rang a bell, like it's some sort of Pavlovian response or something. But, like, it's always fun to see Bret Hart in this and to know that the one time wrestling got a, a featured role in it, it was with an asterisk that has to be explained in an autobiography. So, yeah, good job wrestling, getting your foot in the water. <laughs> you had one time in the late 90s to be culturally relevant and you blew it. <laughs> but what can you say? It's season eight Simpsons, so it's still, even when it... it it seems a bit weird. It's still really funny. So, like, yeah, I'll be interested to watch more Season 8, which contains some of my favourite and seemingly least favourite episodes, which is, it's shocking to me. I was, I, I had misremembered the placement of a lot of these episodes, and I certainly would have said this was like, oh, this is Season 10 or 11, surely. But no, Season 8, there you go. Right, for myself, I mean, it's got all sorts of different things that I really love about The Simpsons. And with my life in general, it's got Burns, it's got 
cracking jokes in it. It's got um, Bret Hart. It's got wrestling in it, folks. Um, but having you on now, Kevin, as well, I'm starting to think that I still really, really enjoy it. But seeing as how, oh, they zip to this location and you get these um, loads of potential opportunities all crammed into this one episode. Oh, it'd be great if, you know, he was Smithers Lackey or, you know, uh, in the retirement castle as a proper old person and that. See, the, the problem about about getting nostalgic and fantasy booking Simpsons is like when you have moments like earlier where we're like, oh, what a whole episode where Mr. Burns lives with Smithers and something like that. It's not like when you fantasy book wrestling and kind of go, oh, I hope this match happens someday and it might. It's like this, even if they did do it, they do it all wrong and terrible now. Why didn't you do it when you were good? Why didn't you do it when you were young, Simpsons, damn it? With that all being said, I'll happily give this... Um... Yeah, I'll I'll, le I'll lean into it. Um, I'll say um, four out of five um ketchup and ketchup bottles. <laughs> now um, as we um as we reach the end here, as we reach the end of this podcast, um, Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I will say um, you contacted me saying yes on this show to come on to here, um, right on my birthday. So that really highlighted my birthday, man. And I'm very very thankful and appreciative that you came on to our little podcast where can everyone uh, find you in your business and all your projects you can find me on twitter and on instagram kevin man with an f and you can find my podcast wherever all podcasts are found attitude era podcast if you want to see a similar time period but we're we're covering this almost exact time period in wrestling at the moment Ooh. in 1997 and lots of bret hart showing up there as well and if you raise on a healthy diet of simpsons there'll be plenty of you to for you to enjoy there as well as how to wrestling the instructional guide to wrestling if you want to get into wrestling or hear a new fan's thoughts on the weird world of it you can do so by subscribing to how to wrestling and Cinema Swirl, where I check out old movies with my friend Sam, who hasn't seen any of them. Where, again, one of the biggest things of Cinema Swirl is actually him understanding Simpsons episodes with more clarity because we finally see Star Wars or we finally see Blade Runner or whatever, where they make a million jokes from it. So, yeah, uh, lots of fun to be had, but I had so much fun on here. This was an absolute hoot and a holler. I had so much fun talking about Simpsons and i'm jealous that you get to talk about simpsons all the time you are very very oh, lucky congratulations on picking the best subject matter ever for a podcast <laughs> don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star written review on itunes check us out on facebook uncle most family feedback podcast and the same on twitter as well at tyler tmc or search uncle most family feedback podcast take care folks come to uncle most for family fun it's good 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 Mmm, sounds good.